today, uh, we are continuing our study of the Christmas story called Silent Night. We're actually diving into Luke and Matthew, and we want to continue there um, and just kind of unpack it if you haven't been here a little bit. The holidays can be and are one of the loneliest times of the year. I noticed this week as I was watching some news, different news programs, a lot of them had stories like this, that depression rises, discouragement rises, hopelessness rises, uh, death actually is rising at this time of year. I mean, and kind of an interesting thing. And I think it's all because we just feel alone, right? And so especially we feel that way when it seems as though God doesn't care or he seems far away or absent or distant from us. And maybe today that's you. You're here in a, in a moment in your life where it seems like God is nowhere to be found. He's, he's absent. And uh, I believe God wants to reveal himself and break through again. And it seems maybe like you're experiencing a silent night, that there's a silent, dark night. And so this whole series is trying to un understand maybe how God breaks through that and what we need to do to prepare for it. So we're taking a fresh look at the Christmas story and unpacking how God was breaking the silence in the lives of those involved and what it means for us today. What, what's the story mean to us? I think sometimes, and this is just a real simple challenge for you, don't read Scripture just to read Scripture. Read Scripture to see yourself and see God. Read it to see what God is saying to you about who He is and what He's saying to you about who you are. And as you do that, I, be, I believe God illuminates. It's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. He illuminates Scripture so you can see it clearly. But in light of that, often we overlook something very important in the Christmas stories, and that's this, that it comes after a long period of silence. In other words, there had been 400 years between the ending of Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament with Jesus' birth with the Gospels, Matthew. 400 years. 400 years where there was no recorded movement, really, of God at all. And God had done that a couple different times. Remember, the Israelites went to Egypt for 400 years. And so this, sometimes God, for whatever reason, is silent. And it feels like a silent, dark night. But God always has a way of stepping into our silence and breaking that silence. And so that's the story that's happening today. <clears throat> now, we have a key text. It's Galatians chapter 4. We keep coming back to it every week, and I, I, I do like a restudy of this verse every week as we're preparing. It says this, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, says, but when the right time came, when the right time came, and I'm praying that the right time is today for many of you, that God would do something specific in you. It says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. There's four specific things that are mentioned there. And I got to thinking about what's that mean for us, and I think it's this, that breaking the silence is a spiritual process. It's a process. How many of you realize that life doesn't just happen in a finger snap, right? I have to go through some things. I have to, I have to experience some things. I have to see some things. I have to understand some things. I have to come to a place of process to really get a hold of what God might do. And, and so in this process, the breaking of the silence, it involves Spiritually embracing things like God's timing, that we have to embrace that. His timing might not be just like your timing, but you embrace that. It's part of the process. I think sometimes a lot of us, we get lost in that. We want God to do everything right now, when if he did everything right now, it would probably mess everything up anyway. And so there's a process of embracing God's timing, a process of embracing God's love, that he sent his son. There's a reason for that, because he's madly in love with you. 
And the reason why he sent his son is because he loves his creation and he desires a relationship with you. And it's all built and based on the fact that he loves you. And I need to embrace the love. And sometimes that's a process. Then also it's embracing our weakness. It says that he was born of a woman. And see, really, we need to understand he stepped into our humanity to connect with us. But it also... elevates or, or highlights, if you will, our own weakness. And we have to embrace that, that, Lord, we, we can't do this on our own. It's got to be something you're going to do. And the last part of the process is his payment. He's subject to the law. Jesus came to be subject to the law, meaning he came to make just what needs to be paid for, right, to settle the account, if you will. Jesus did that. And so I have to embrace that. So all of that is in that one scripture. We could probably stop right now and say, that was a great message, Pastor. Right? But anyway, I took some uh, uh, allergy pills last night, and my mouth's drying out. All right, now we're back in business. So, so all those things are processes, and for many of us, check this out. For many of us, the process of God breaking the silence in our lives is directly connected to our response of the movement of God in our lives. In other words, how am I going to respond? What? When God does move, how will I respond to the movement? Or when I'm waiting for God to move, how, will, how well am I waiting in that process? And especially if it's not playing out like I planned. Especially. Especially when it's not going the way I thought it should have went. It should have went a different way and it's not. And so how well am I responding if it's not going the way I planned? And I think our normal response to that is found in three different ways. Let me give them to you real quickly. One is we give up. We just give up. We might be here today. You might be in service today at church, but spiritually you've kind of given up. God's been silent for so long, I've given up. I just quit. I, 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 I'm doing nothing. I'm expecting nothing. I, I just give up. I'm, I'm here. I, I hear you, but we give up. And I think for some of us, that's our normal response. For some of us, though, we get mad. God, how'd you, why'd you let my grandmother die? Why'd you let this happen? God, where were you when this happened? We've got this list of things, and instead of us saying, Lord, I trust you even though I don't understand, we say, Lord, I'm mad at you because you could have done something different and you didn't. And that's our normal response, is we get mad and, and we call a foul on God. We throw the flag. We, we, we say, Lord, you've done something wrong or... And, we misunderstand, maybe. Or, and I think this one is another one, because I think this is the result of giving up and getting mad, is we go our own way. We go our own way. I mean, I, I understand that, Lord, you're going to come and do whatever you say you're going to do whenever you say you're going to do it, but, Lord, I'm not seeing it. It's not going as planned. I, I'm, I've given up. I'm kind of mad, and so I'm just going to do my own thing. I'll do my life the way I want to do my life, and just go my own way, and we simply say in our hearts, I'm going to choose my own path, and that's my response. And I think, and this is just me, that's our normal response. But if we're going to experience the breakthrough of the silence that God has for each and every one of us, maybe, just maybe, we need to respond in a different way, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So today I want to explore the response of Joseph. Last week we did Mary and how she had to be willing to embrace a change in plans, right? Amen. I had, a, I had this plan, and all of a sudden God steps in and says, hey, guess what, Mary? You're going to have a holy child 
the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, that's going to save the world, right? That change your plans. And, and so we talked about that. But what about Joseph? What about Joseph? What about him? And it's interesting because when you dive in, you realize there's only a few verses that you really even talk about Joseph. But he's part of the story. He's actually entwined in the story. And maybe Joseph's response to accept the supernatural pregnancy of Mary was actually a bigger step of faith than Mary's because she could experience it to be true because she felt it. I mean, she felt a baby growing in her. She, she knew it to be true because she experienced it, but Joseph had to believe it to be true just simply because he trusted that what God says was true. Maybe that was the greatest, greater miracle, you know, that you're engaged to someone, all of a sudden he comes along and he says, hey, Holy Spirit made her pregnant. You go, yeah, right. <laughs> Right? I don't know if that's true, but he had to trust, and so maybe that was there. So let's dive in. It's, it's in Matthew. Joseph's story is in Matthew chapter 1 and then some in chapter 2. But here's, here's what it says. This is Matthew 1, verse 18. It said, this is how Jesus the Messiah, the one that comes and rescues us, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but, again, you might circle that word, there was a change of plans, right? But we had a plan, and it totally got derailed, and it's different. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's almost like you could say, didn't see that coming, but yet God wants us to respond to his movements and what he's doing in a way that allows us to experience the breakthrough for us and others. Imagine what Joseph was thinking and feeling. Imagine what he was thinking then. Yeah. What happened, Mary? We were doing great. Now, you, you, sure, you're pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, whatever you say, girl, right? I mean, I, you know, to me, when I was reading this, I was like, dude, this could have been the first episode of Jerry Springer, right? I mean, this could have been it. So we're going to do a DNA. <laughs> it's going to come out in just a few minutes. Who is he, <laughs> you know, right? <clears throat> but you know, so Joseph's there. It's like, man, what? But he responds, and we're going to see that today. That the response of Joseph was key to the breaking of the silence in Joseph's life and in all of our lives, actually. So it goes on. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, I've got to explain something here before we go any longer, uh, any, any further. That the Jewish marriage had three parts to it right? There's three parts to it. The first part was called the engagement, and actually it was more like a pre-engagement. In other words, pre-arranged. So it very likely could have been that when Joseph was young and Mary was young, the parents got together and say, hey, I think this is a good one. Let's go for it. And so they set that up as an engagement, right? And that was part of the pre-time. And then they got to the second stage, which is called betrothed or betrothed I don't know how to say it exactly because I don't speak King James. But, but that is the place where for a year they are basically officially married, but they don't consummate the marriage sexually. And Jesus, I mean Joseph and Mary in this story is in the middle of that betrothed time, that middle of that, that moment where they're not doing that, but they've already basically been married to the point that if he wants to call it off, he basically has to divorce her or publicly disgrace her by saying she is a harlot and has been out 
rolling around with somebody else in hay, and this is the result, and they would have stoned her to death. Very serious. And then you have the third part of the Jewish wedding, which is called marriage proper, which that's where it's consummated, where they do the ceremony, da-da-da-da, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so there's three parts there. So if you just read the engagement, you know, oh, yeah, I understand engagement, but there's something else going on. So then it goes on. It says, verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know, in other words, he, he didn't jump to a conclusion. He was pondering it. He was considering what to do in his heart, his mind. And he was open, really, I think, to the possibilities. And note how important it is to just simply be in a place where you're still before God. For many of us, we just need to slow down enough to hear what God's saying. It goes on. He says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that that's the language, because Joseph would immediately not went like most of us would say, well, how in the world did that happen? What are you talking about? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. He knew exactly what that meant when the angel said that, because he had a reference, he had an understanding of, of the Holy Spirit within the whole Old Testament understanding and so here's what he understood. He understood the role of the Holy Spirit as the agent of God who did several different things. Revealed truth. That was one of the agencies of, of the Holy Spirit. That, that he opened the eyes and the ears of people to receive the truth. That was the working of the Holy Spirit. And then check these two out. He was actually the agent of creation and recreation. And so for him to hear from the angel, the Holy Spirit has birthed this and created this within her, he would go, I get it, I understand that. Because that's what God does through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, and he goes on, and she will have a son, and you're in the name of Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, you have an opportunity to be a part of something really, really big here. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, the, through his prophet. <clears throat> it says, and this is what it, the, the prophet had said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, God is unfolding his plan to be in relationship with creation, and he wants to use you. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to respond in a way that you can be right in the middle of this story. And God is always doing what God says he will do, because God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. So he's saying that to Joseph, right? So then the next part. So when Joseph woke up, he said, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm out here. I don't want to do any of this. Okay, I'm just checking to see if you guys are with me on this, all right? Joseph woke up. He said he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. In other words, they stepped into the proper, right? They went from betrothed to proper. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born. In other words, he could have, but didn't, because of a reason we're going to see in just a few minutes. And, he, and Joseph named him Jesus. He didn't name him, name the child Joseph Jr., Steve, or Jack, right? Could you imagine if he would have named him Jack? We praise you, Lord Jack, Lord Jack. Would have been the weirdest thing ever. I mean, Jesus was the right name, right? That was a joke. It was a good joke, guys. Come on. <laughs> so then we pick up the story of Joseph. So they have the baby, you know, and then we have the wise men, and we have all those other things that are happening. But then you jump forward, you know, and we're going to talk about those two characters in the story over the next couple weeks. 
But then you jump forward to Matthew 2, and, and we're picking it up right after the wise men have come and, and gave gifts, which is really important. I always thought, why they give gifts? Obviously to honor Jesus. But you know what? As you realize this, they were actually preparing and providing for the next step of the story of what God was going to do through Mary and Joseph. Check this out. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So now he's, had an, he's having another dream. It says, get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod, the king, is going to search for the child to kill him. You guys know the story. He killed all the babies in Bethlehem at age two. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. Now, I was doing some research trying to figure out how long were they actually in Egypt. And some there's there's varying ideas somewhere between several months up to as many as seven years so he was there for a while right and maybe this is my maybe thought on this is that the wise men's gifts were actually provided for them to be able to go do that okay there was a giving aspect of what was going on this fulfilled it says the lord what the lord had spoken through the prophet i called my son out of egypt now I don't know about you, but sometimes I read stuff and I go, why would the Holy Spirit put that in there? And here's what I believe is so important to that last little phrase, is this, this is a shadow, a shadow of God's intention to set people free from bondage. That God is making this connection that I have always been about the process of pulling people out of bondage. That Jesus has come... <laughs> And he's going to go symbolically into Egypt, come back out, and he's going to provide, he's going to make a way, he's going to do all these things, all in that little phrase. So, great story, right? So, I want to highlight for us in the next few minutes three important aspects of our response from looking at Joseph's response to breaking the silence in our lives. In other words, it's, again, it's all about a response. God's moving, how am I going to respond? God's doing something, what's going to happen? And, and let me just be really clear here. These are so important because I believe they're make or break deals. I believe that the things that we're going to talk about here in these three simple thoughts are make and break deals in your life to whether or not you truly find your way out of the silence. And God's going to do that. So here's the first one. is the importance of consideration. Consideration. It said in the text that as he considered this, as he considered this, let me put it in our terminology, what should I do? What should I do? This is crazy. Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> what should I do? How, how should I respond? How, wh where should I go? How, what should I do with Mary? How? And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to disgrace her. I'm not going to call her a harlot because I love her. I don't, I don't want to do that to her. I'm just going to do it quietly and, you know, hey. Let's just move on. That's, he was processing that. He was wrestling with that. And here's, here's the point. Too many times, this is where we lose the breakthrough that God has for us. See, life is full of crossroads, just like Joseph was encountering here. Crossroads and decisions. And many times what happens, though, instead of considering it or slowing down to think about it, sometimes we jump fast into the wrong response. I'm just curious, anybody here ever jump quickly into a wrong response? Let me ask another question. How many wish you would not have done that? How many of you wish you would have considered it more before you did it? <laughs> That's what we're talking about right here, okay? So to consider it, we need to think about it and consider it. We need to ask ourselves some questions. 
We need to slow down and ask ourselves some important questions. Let me give you just a few of them to ask. Consider this. Ask this question. What's right before God? It said in the text that he was a righteous man. He was a good man. What's right before God? In other words, consider my relationship with God. In other words, when I'm making this decision, and let me just say this as clear as I can say it, many times we make decisions based on us, not him. And we don't consider God in the story who is the real one that's going to bless us and bring us out of the silence in the first place. So we need to ask, how does this look from God's point of view? What do I want to do in relationship? What would bring the Lord the most honor? What is God saying? Is he saying yes? Is he saying no? Is he saying wait? What's God saying in this? Here's another thing to consider. How does my response affect the other people involved in my decision? I think that's a big one for a lot of us. A lot of times we're making decisions just based on me. This is what I want. Maybe what we need to do is consider for a moment. Again, this is what determines if I'm going to break the silence and God's movement is going to have its fulfillment in me or not, is I'm actually going to slow down and say, you know what? This might have a negative effect on the people around me if I make this decision. How does it affect Mary? How is this going to play out? What's going to happen? See, God wants to reveal his plan to us, but we have to be willing to slow down and listen. Like Joseph, we need to consider before we cast judgment and, and instead leave ample enough room for God's movement. In other words, don't jump to judgment. Leave room for God's movement. For the other people in the lives of who you are, you're surrounded around surrounded by. Here's the last question. Let's consider this. Am I supporting or hindering God's movement in someone else? This one's interesting, I think, for us sometimes. Because every moment that you've had jealousy in your heart for what somebody has that God is doing in them and you don't have, you might actually be hindering the silence being broken in your life in that moment. Just because you're not willing to get in line and say, Lord, it's not moving in me right now. It's moving in her or it's moving in him. And I want to be in a position where my my response is to support that, not hinder that. It's a consideration. Am I supporting or hindering God's movement in someone else? Here's a verse, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. It says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. In other words, the simple just jump into whatever feels right in the moment. The wise one slows down and considers what's going on. Here's here's another quote from Matthew Henry. It says, it's better to take time to consider before than to try to find time to repent after. Let me say that one more time. It's better to take time to consider before than to try to find time to repent after. So first big aspect of importance, importance of consideration. Here's the second one, importance of consecration, consecration. It says in the text, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He did not have sexual relationships with her. Joseph named him Jesus. God moves, check this out, in the context of holiness, purity, and obedience. That's where God moves. Now, what does that mean then? It means that there's things that I might be participating in life that are actually keeping me from the move of God in my life. 
In other words, I don't think it's that big a deal, but God says, wait a minute, is that pure? Is that holy? Is that obedient? And and the answer is before God, no. And it's like, we're not on the same page here. Because consecration is a big deal. So when I choose to respond in these ways, I'm making a way for the move of God. Joseph recognized it was not about him or his legacy. It was all about God's. It wasn't about what I want to do or what I think is right. What does God think is right? See, consecration or consecrate means to set apart. For Joseph, he understood that what God was doing in Mary was something holy, and he could not, check this out, in any shape or form take credit or devalue it by getting involved with her sexually. So Joseph knew this child is God's child, and I don't want to interfere. In other words, the breakthrough often comes when we choose to honor as holy what belongs to the Lord. So here's the thing. It all belongs to him. My life belongs to him. All my possessions belong to him. And so I have to understand that many times the breaking of the silence that most of us desperately want to experience comes because we finally understand, Lord, it all belongs to you, and I want to make it all holy before you. I want to make it pure before you. I want to make it obediently presented before you. I want to do that because I know that's where you move. That's where you move, in the holiness. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5 says, Then Joshua told the people, they were about to see a big move of God. Notice what they did to get ready for it. It says, Purify yourselves, or set yourselves apart, repent, confess, be holy, purify, right? For tomorrow you will do great wonders among you. It is connected to the breakthrough. Same way with Joseph. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 says, So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Last one. Last one. First one, importance of consideration, importance of consecration, and the importance of continuation. Continuation. It says, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return. And then it has a little phrase, that night. That night. That night. Let me just say it this way. Great starts are nothing if it isn't connected to a great finish. I've been digging Kansas City football this year. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the game the other night. I mean, they, they, they came out blazing, blazing. Two touchdowns up. I'm like, dude, they got this. I mean, it was like amazing. I, I almost turned it off. Matter of fact, I did. I went and watched something else. Went to, you know, some Lifetime movie for a little bit. Just joking. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> probably went to UFC. I kind of flashed back and forth from UFC to, you know, anyway. Um, so, so I'm watching. I come back, and I'm like, dude, they're going to lose this game. So the great start didn't have any value unless there was a great finish. See, the idea of continuation all the way through is so important. And see, there will always be something that challenges the breakthrough in your life. There will always be that. Let me say it again. There will always be a challenge to the breakthrough in your life. The silence that you want to be broken and the movement that God wants to do in your life isn't going to just come on a platter and it's going to be real easy. There's going to be something that you might have to do to make it happen or be a part of it that takes some work. See, many of us have experienced a movement or a moment or a time when God broke the silence, but over time, it seemed to slip away. Where'd it go? And here's what I think happens many times, and I'll just give the why, right? And the big idea, here's the big idea. Why? 
it's proven spiritually that if people stall or get stuck or backslide, if you will, in their spiritual journey, it's usually connected to three things. I have my own list, which is boys, girls, and money, but this is a different list. And it's this, a lack of effort. I'm just not putting forth the, I'm, it's lackadaisical. Yeah. Who cares? So what? They're going to kill some babies. They're going to kill my baby. Don't worry about it. A lack of effort. Lack of community. Lack of community. Getting isolated, isolated, isolated. That happens all the time. And the last one is just too busy. Or, you know, it, it would have been a sad story if Joseph would have said, hey, get up, flee, go there. Hey, somebody's trying to kill the baby. Do that. He says, you know what? I got a couple dressers that I'm just about done with. Maybe about three weeks max. Can you hold on? Yeah. But he didn't do that. He did it right then. He wasn't too busy to move. So what is it? So so notice then, here's here's the other side of the why. Because, because we did not he did not fully understand the importance of preserving, or or he did actually, but because we do not, sorry, understand the importance or preserving or protecting the move of God in our lives. In other words, we think it's not that big a deal. And all of a sudden we're stuck, we're stalled, we're right back in that silent night. How'd I get here? Maybe you weren't protecting the continuation of the movement of God like you needed to. So notice what jo- Joseph did. He, he didn't waste any time. It said that night, he put distance between him and the attack, flee, get out of here. And he waited for God's timing. There wasn't a till. And see, some of us, we need to understand that protecting it many times is holding on to the until. Until God does this. Until God calls. Until God tells me to move, I'm going to be faithful. Until God stirs. Until God, he says, until. See, some of us need to understand that. So what do we need to guard against? Anything that wants to kill or move the move of God in our lives, anything, anything that is trying to derail you from the move of God in your life, guard against. My favorite verse. <laughs> you probably say, wait a minute, you say that every week about it because they're all my favorites. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. If your heart's messed up, your life's messed up. Plain and simple. If your heart's bad, <laughs> Life's bad. You got an attitude in your heart. You got jealousy and bitterness and resentment in your heart. Life is bad. Guard it. And then the last one, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to Guard what God has entrusted to Yesterday I was praying and I was in my prayer corner back there. And I had this idea that we needed to have a trust shift. In other words, a lot of us are guarding things that we shouldn't be caring about that much at all. What we have, our accomplishments, people notice me. We should guard God's grace, God's purpose in my life, God's love, God's faithfulness. I, I need to guard the things that really matter. Not a bunch of other things that really don't. Let's pray. As your heads are bowed and your heart is bowed, stilled before the Lord, maybe today 
you're here and you've given up. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're just doing your thing. Maybe that's you. You've given up, you're mad at God, or you decide, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to pray for you because I want to pray that God would give you a change of response. That you would respond with a consideration. Lord, what's this mean to you, to others? That you would respond with a consecration. Lord, there's things in my life that are not pure, that are not obedience that you would respond in a continuation, that you would actually effort with effort and, and heart and passion protect what God has started in you. I'm just curious, how many of you need that prayer today? Would you just raise your hand? You need that prayer. I need that prayer, prayer Pastor. Yeah, several hands, several hands. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. For those that have given up, because maybe it was too hard or didn't go as planned or it's been too long. Lord, whatever it is, that God, you would give them a different response. Lord, they would have it until you move, God. Lord, I pray for those that have gotten mad because they felt like they got a raw deal from God. God, you let this happen and this happen, that, Lord, there would be a shift of trust in you even though you don't fully understand. Lord, let that happen right now. Lord, I pray for those that have gone their own way, that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, there would be a cry of repentance that say, oh, God, would you forgive me? Would you receive me? Would you fill me? Would you use me? I'm yours, Lord. I'm making a commitment today to you, Jesus. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name.